Welcome to Inaudible. My name is Jeremy Wyland, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Masterson. On this podcast, we discuss the weird, beautiful channeled messages found in the archives of LL Research, an organization dedicated to sharing spiritual information with the world. You can find out more about LL Research at llresearch.org. The archives contain transcripts of messages from allegedly discarnate sources who claim to hail from an organization they call the Confederation of Planets in Service to the Infinite Creator. Ryan and I will try to provide analysis and commentary on the philosophy described in these messages, identifying the common themes, and grappling with the application of this information to our human lives. Thanks for joining us on this journey. How's it going, Ryan? It is going. It is never going. stops, does it? It never <laughs> stops. And it's, it's amazing how fast time goes by, but at the same time, it, it's a, it's a slog, <laughs> you know, the daily life is a slog, but boy, it, it goes by quickly. Yeah. You wake, it's almost like you wake up in a new incarnation every day, just depending on your mood and attitude and what you have. I mean, can't tell you how many times I lay in bed thinking about what I have to deal with at work. And I'm just like, uh, letting it get me down. And then other days. I'm ready to get in there, coach, and, and you know, put me in. Yes. Yes. I was reminded that when it rains, it pours. And often there's, there's not much that is different in your life, but because one thing may be challenging you or as you feel going wrong, quote unquote, then every other itty bitty piece of catalyst or challenge it, it's a nonlinear function, right? It's exponential. Every little beat, every little bit adds more than its weight to your shoulders. <laughs> so when one thing goes wrong, then everything feels like it's going wrong, even if it's not. So we we came back from Hawaii and it, for the record, it's hard to get into Hawaii. You've got to you know, get a negative COVID test. Um, we had to get a uh, contact tracing app. Um, there was a few hoops to jump through. And when we come back, um, we have a nanny share with our two-year-old and our, the family that we, that we nanny share with, we're not happy about our trip. And, uh, that was, that was the beginning of a good week of catalyst for, mm. uh, for Ryan. Um, and, uh, I completely see it from their perspective after meditating on it for a bit, but for a while I was, I was quite a bit frustrated. And then like little things were just chiming in that were really annoying me. <laughs> so it was quite a good week as far as the, uh, uh, getting some practice in understanding others. Um, so I appreciate that, but, um, it, but it, yeah, it's other than, you know, other than that little, little piece, it's, it's been, it's been good. Our vacation was good and we came home and now we're back to the schedule, back to the grind, so to speak. Uh, so one of the things that I think is really interesting in the material is they don't put a lot of emphasis on it, but they do talk about the concept of annoyance, right? Mm. Like there are things that anger you and then you respond and that's good, clean catalyst, right? That's triggering yeah. you. And like, but like the annoyance stuff, right? Where you have this choice, you're, you're not just sort of like swept away by it, but you're just kind of gnawed at. And it's kind of more of like a test of patience and like, can you allow for your initial knee jerk reaction to some catalyst? Just let it, just let it, just let it ride for a little bit. Right. Like, hmm. and just let it simmer and like, let it expose itself to you. And it may be not, that's the thing. A lot of times I, fa I find that if I don't act out on my annoyance, 
That little thing. Remember I was saying in an earlier episode, it's the little things that get you, not the big things as you go on the path. Yes. We, it's, it's just a lot about, am I willing to feel this or not? You know, am I willing to feel it or is it a big problem that I feel it? And I'm going to do everything I can do. The first thing that comes to mind that either pushes it down or pushes it out. But you just can't feel it. So I think about this annoyance thing a lot because it really is um, where like things come at you sideways. I find that that seem reasonable. Yes, I really like that. And it, it reminds me that sometimes I compartmentalize things in my life. And especially mm-hmm. if, if, if I'm being challenged in one area, I've got to just, I've got to shut that part down for a little bit while I deal with other things that need to be dealt with before I can mentally and emotionally get into, you know, that part that I've just compartmentalized. So, um, it feels like sometimes, you know, when I've got that catalyst, just dripping in that water torture catalyst, <laughs> you can think of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll, you know, I'll, I'll shove that away for a bit. I will use a distraction to just get that off my plate until I have the time. But here's the thing. It, you, I can trick, I can get it off my plate, but it doesn't go away. It's there, you know, and, and yeah, you've got to deal with it. Find a way to deal with it. You know, I have had just the experience you're describing. And the more that I've sat with it, the more I realize it's me trying to figure the catalyst out instead of letting the catalyst figure me out. Now, I don't know if that applies to you, but the idea is, is that we don't have enough focus to put on one thing at a time and we get overwhelmed. Is that the kind of thing that you're talking about or am I off? No, well, first back up the you trying to figure out the catalyst versus the catalyst trying to figure out. You. Yes. So what is the purpose of catalyst, right? The purpose of catalyst, according to the Confederation, and, uh, you know, I'm just going to tell you what the Confederation says Mm -hmm. and let let the audience figure it out, uh, is to expose our biases so that we can figure out which way we want to polarize. I mean, I am putting a very, very broad stroke on it, but that's pretty much what Ra says. It's pretty much what uh, other entities say, that it's not designed to punish you. It's not designed to necessarily teach you the lesson that you think you need to learn in your waking consciousness, right? That's mm-hmm. my belief is that okay. it's what it's trying to do is it's trying to find out what kind of person are you? And if you let the catalyst tell you that instead of trying to figure the catalyst out and win the game, that the catalyst is like do the right thing. It's not about the right response. It's about the response that makes you the most you. Hmm. That is interesting. That's how I approach it. That is very interesting. Hold on. I need to let this simmer for a minute. (laughs) So, because the way you just put it just really rung a bell as far as what, um, truth, um, catalyst, you said, I'm trying to just reword this catalyst exposes your biases in Mm -hmm. order to, did you say promote, uh, the choice, promote polarity? Okay. to, to help you polarize. That's interesting. It, it, this reminds me, my brother works at Microsoft mm-hmm. and he recently underwent um, unconscious bias training at Microsoft. And my brother and I, we, we got pretty snarky about this kind of training in, in the corporate world, given its political undertones and people are very opinionated about this kind of training for better or of worse. Course. And 
he and I, we you got two white guys talking about this just so the audience just, can. yes, just so you are. <laughs> and if, in case you're living under a rock, the perspective <laughs> from this white guy is that unconscious <laughs> bias training is really this anti-white anti-male uh, training, essentially, you mm. know, at least that's my, that's how it's swung in, um, you know, that's the opinion that's thrown around in, uh, you know, for, for, for white guys like me. So when my brother was taking it, he was sending me screenshots and, uh, we were kind of laughing about it, but the further he got into the training, the more we realized that our, our perceptions, our conceptions were unfounded, at least with this particular training module. Now with the training, it, it, you know, it, uh, the ideas exposed and the ideas discussed in this training were fantastic. They were amazing. They were simply like, they were the, what the golden rule, you know, and like, don't judge others. They were messages from the Confederation. Don't judge others, you know, um, treat every, every person with respect and love and dignity. You know, of course the examples they use, they're not white guys. They're not straight white males. They're everyone else. But the principle holds if, if, if the concept is to treat this person who may look different than you or have a different, you know, lifestyle than you, if, if the rule is to treat them with respect and treat this other person over here with respect, it, it follows. You treat everyone with respect. And he and I, we get together every Wednesday night for cigars. Don't hate me. Don't hate me for being, have that vice. <laughs> But we have great conversations. We just kind of spitball what we went through in the previous week. And after this uh, unconscious bias training, we had a great conversation because each of us, this idea was somewhat clarified or crystallized in our minds. It is what it is. Whatever it is, whatever subject you're talking about, there there are facts out there. There are truths out there that they just are. Now, whatever judgment or opinion I attach to that truth is a completely separate issue, you know, and that's where you get very messy with other people's feelings and opinions and insecurities and projections. That's where it gets challenging. So if I guess since having that conversation and my Lord, I'm in my mid late third, I'm in my late thirties now, and I'm just kind of figuring this out, but I'm trying to get, just see the truth in things. I'm trying to separate what I, what I understand to be the truth of a situation. And then what is my perspective and opinion of that truth? I'm just, I'm trying to start to differentiate that because it was, it was so clear to me not too long ago that I had something pretty darn wrong, you know, and I, I enjoy those experiences because it, it reminds me and I've gone through, I've gone through a lot of these experiences, but I'm, I'm reminded that I, I'm growing, I'm learning, and I still have a ways to go and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, go continue with the process and, uh, just remember I'm, I'm fallible and, uh, I've got so much more to learn. Same goes to me. I only have five years on you. Uh, I don't know if I use those five years very wisely, so I'm probably at the same level. Uh, you know, I, uh, from, I, I have, I have thoughts about the bias training too. It has more to do with, uh, who's doing the training and re- what, why mm. they want it done mm. and a lot less about the content. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cause these are matters of the heart. You know, uh, I think there's a view of the issues that we deal with in our society that thinks that we're going to intellectualize our way out, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, 
it's really a matter of the heart. And uh, that doesn't play very well at work all the time, right? Because it's not predictable. It's mm-hmm. not reliable. It doesn't deliver constant profits like the system wants. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing it does deliver is a steady stream of catalyst. And uh, you have opportunities to find out about things about yourself that you didn't realize. I mean, you had that belief about that, 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 that revelation that you had was already inside of you. It just needed to be exposed, right? Yes. Yes. Helped you understand yourself better. And I hope in the process, maybe it gave you different, you know, perspective of other people. And like, this is what catalyst does. Yes. And 10 points for you to putting, putting (laughs) a nail on that. You, all right. What scores 10 to whatever the score is. Um, 10 points to you because don't we all have those truths and understandings hidden underneath our perceptions. And it just takes yes. either the right experience or the right recognition of an experience or, oh, oh, my friend, I finally started reading the book you recommended, When Things ah. Fall Apart by Pima Children. I, in case uh, you couldn't, they couldn't hear over, over Jeremy's, ah, it is called When <laughs> Things Fall Apart and it's by Pima Children, and maybe I'll put a link in the in the uh, in the show notes. It's great, but I the, when we in our first conversation, you brought up a quote that stuck with me, and I and I saw it. Line number one. It reads, "Fear is a natural reaction to moving closer to the truth." What a powerful sentence. And to Which means that it's not wrong that we feel fear, correct. right? That's the thing that really got me for a long correct. time. And that, but that truth is inside of us already. You just got to wade through the BS and the catalyst and the, the projections and the insecurities and all that stuff to get to that core truth. And yeah, it, it certainly involves fear. It's been a fantastic book so far. So thank you for that recommendation. But uh, I love it when people discover that book because it made such a big difference in my life. It's written so to the point. I mean, I I love Pima Chodron as a writer and as a speaker, the way that she is able to package things in this very simple uh, uh, where package where you can see the shape of the whole idea from the shape of the package that it's wrapped up in. Right. Yeah. Like uh, she's just very terse and direct. And gets to the point and is not afraid to talk about, you know, the the dark side of things. And that's what I mean by, uh, you know, fear. We have a fear of our dark side, of things that are unexposed in us that we don't know. Um, we're having this sort of like time dilated experience in an incarnation where a whole unity uh, like we are like the only time that exists is right now. The only place that exists is right now, according to the Confederation. Mm-hmm. And so we're experiencing, I believe, this kind of artificially processized version of that unity where we only discover things in 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 at this cadence that our consciousness is at where mm-hmm. we're in time. And now I'm getting I, I, I don't know where I'm going with this. But the whole point is that like time gives us the ability to have the realization. If we didn't have the process of time and the way that things go forward constantly, then we just experience all unity, all love, all the time. And so the level of consciousness that we're at is, you know, we don't get that. We, uh, I read a quo 
uh, recently that said, you know, you're in a vast sea and you're a bubble. You know, you know, we are telling you and you feel inside yourself that you are part of that sea. But right now you're a bubble. That's mm-hmm. where you're at in your awareness. Mm-hmm. Be a good bubble and know that you're going to return to the sea. You're going to bring all of that with you when you return to the sea. And it's all just a part of this ever present moment. Mm-hmm. That's it's a good point. And it's, I'm at a fork in the road right now with which direction to go, because we quickly skipped past, <laughs> I think, one area that I would have wanted to go into. And that is... Coming to these realizations, dealing with catalyst, uh, so much catalyst is is generated from interpersonal reaction or interpersonal relationships, how we deal with other people, stuff, that, you know, transgressions that they, they commit against me or against you and how we deal right. with that. Um, and what I, the challenge, the challenge for me is, is understanding what the confederation means by love. How do you find the love in, in this scenario, in this situation and in the other person? And, you know, I think there's been more than a few times where they've, where they've said it's uh, you, you're never going to get, you're never going to get to the golden age by connecting man to man, man to woman, woman to woman, because there's too much BS you have to figure out how to see the creator in the other person. And that, that is its own, you know, that's its own can of worms. But, uh, but uh, there's, there's a couple, uh, a couple things I wanted to read that came through um, in recent transcript readings. Um, one of the, one of them is from Hatan. This is in uh, July 3rd, 1978. And uh, I believe it's Carla channeling. And Hatan is discussing the concept of love. And I just want to read this really quickly and uh, get your thoughts on it. It reads, um, Hatan says, We are aware, my friends, that in your daily lives, you cannot see clearly that love is in everything. And without that truth, the problem of finding, inaudible, of knowing friends in everyone, or finding enough supply in those things which are needed for physical existence, of finding mental stimulation which is satisfying, of finding that emotional stability which among your peoples is called happiness, all of these things, my friends, are anything but easy. But you see, my friends, you are not without a clear understanding of love. It is as though you were in a deep underground prison to which you have the key, my friends. Your body is the prison. It is a dense chemical inaudible which carries your spirit about. It is extremely useful, for in it you experience emotions and situations which act as a catalyst in order that the understanding of your basic spiritual self may become tempered and toughened, thus producing at the end of an experience in the physical body an intense understanding of love. It is as though, my friends, in our vibration, we can never truly practice our understanding of love 
for we see it clearly. Anyone can see in the daylight, but you, my friends, are in darkness. To see the light in the darkness is much, much more difficult. And I'm going to pause there. There's one more good paragraph after that, but but so far, so good. And I think this just reiterates a couple of ideas that that you've already said uh, uh, specifically that you know in this incarnation we experience we experience time you know time to well a linear we have a linear experience where at one point there's catalyst and then there's that time where we have to sort through it or deal with it and at the end of that we hopefully come out a better person with more understanding um but I like what Hatan says here. Uh, let's see. He says, It is as though, my friends, in our vibration, we can never truly practice our understanding of love, for we see it clearly. And it makes me think that, okay, it, so in order to practice, there's got to be some level of misunderstanding there. There's, there's some kind of work that needs to be done. You know, it's a little unfortunate. I wish we had it all locked down, so we, you know, didn't have to go through all this, uh, all these troubles. But, uh, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that? It shows. It shows me uh, that when I'm upset, it's not because there's something wrong with me. I'm here to experience things like that, and. Uh, it also shows me that, um, that, I, th- so the question is, is like, how do you find the love in a situation like that? Because that's kind of the thread that we want to like, we want to pull that thread. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of different things coming at us, but if we can see them as love, then we have the ability to relate to them in a different way, in a way that's not adversarial, in a way that instead of fights the not love supports the love that's already there. Now that requires us to find the love within ourselves as well. We cannot bring anything to bear that we do not already have inside ourselves. We never, we never do. We have it all inside ourselves already, but then this kind of drama of time where we start off at a lower progression and advance to a higher progression is about this process of realization. And it's, it's, it's kind of a mystery, right? Because the creator exists outside of time. Creator kind of knows how all of this is going to play out ostensibly. Right. Uh, but the way that I think about it is that we are experiencing in a time, in a temporal sequence, what the creator experiences as a unity, the same way that you can watch the DVD on the TV and see it frame by frame by frame. But you also pull out the DVD and just look at the whole thing. Uh, (laughs) That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So like there, it's just, what is it about? It's about perspective, awareness, and uh, what, what I think the, 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 the Confederation wants us to do, what they would advise us to do is to be at the level of awareness that we are, and pay attention, pay attention to our feelings, pay attention to the brothers and sisters in front of us, pay attention to uh, the, the surrounding creation that is always speaking to us, pay attention to the still small voice inside of us, pay attention. And one of the things that makes this world so challenging is how much it uh, 
it, it, it takes our attention onto things that don't matter. Mm. Mm-hmm. TV, mm-hmm. social media, uh, some petty thing that you're involved in at work other, or whatever. Other people's opinions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it, it's okay. Like, here's the thing, like to the extent that we're distracted by that stuff, that's our catalyst, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're not paying, if we're not keeping centered and, and, and observing it and getting the, the, the fruit of it, the harvest of the experience out, well, then we're going to go through an unconscious way of processing that, which means it's going to be, it's going to feel like catalyst. It's going to feel like some sort of struggle where we go through a progression of starting out, not knowing something about ourselves, going through this process where we realize something about ourselves. If we already have it to bring, then we have it mm-hmm. and we don't go, it, we don't, we don't experience the exact same thing as catalyst. We experience it as simply something that's going on in our lives. Mm -hmm. So everything is, in my opinion, everything is really, really united. And it's all about figuring out who we really are. Those are those biases that are being exposed when a very, very different kind of unconscious bias, let me just say, (laughs) than what was being addressed uh, at that work thing. Uh, uh, like, I, I don't know if it was like a Robin D'Angelo thing or something. It was not, but, which is probably why okay. we, which is probably why we were like, oh, okay, this will work. <laughs> you know, this yeah. Is okay. I mean, but, but like recognizing that you are unexplored territory, maybe that's a yes. good way of putting it. The yes. world and other selves are unexplored territory, but so are you. And a lot of times, uh, what catalyzes us in our interactions with others are things that we are afraid of. Or do not like about ourselves. So we're in a hall of mirrors. Everywhere we look, we see our own face. Every, every, every time we open our eyes, we're not looking at anything but self. It is one thing to have an intellectual understanding of what that means and how you might square that with your day-to-day reality. But what I believe that the Confederation wants is for us to feel it. Mm -hmm. Catalyst is how you feel it. Yes. Well, in the Hall of Mirrors, what does it what does it say about me that I feel so strongly about, you know, about how unconscious bias training, for example, is positioned? Like what does it say about you know, looking in the mirror? What does it say about me? You know, what insecurities do I have? Or what is my worldview pertaining to the idea of of privilege, like racial privilege or, you know, however you want to go down that road. Yeah. You can approach, you can apply that to anything that you feel strongly about. You're like, wow, right. well, what does this really say about who I am and my fears? Yeah. If I, if you, if I want to get closer to the truth, maybe I got to experience that fear and, and uncomfort, discomfort and move down that path and start asking hard questions about, you know, sorting, sorting through my own personal feelings about that. Yeah. I mean, um, on one level, uh, it's completely appropriate that we would hold ideas in our head that are, (laughs) that, that, that just are pervasive throughout our entire society. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, my personal feeling about privilege is that nobody's to blame for holding privilege or not holding privilege. It's a, it's a, it's a function of the society that we're in. Mm. It's not that you're to blame for having privilege or not. It's that, once you recognize that you have it, mm-hmm. now you have a duty, uh, according to this train of thought, uh, to try to counteract it. And, you yes. know, in, in that way, it acts a lot like um, other truths that we find in our lives where uh, 
we need to the, we need to be more and more ourselves by expressing it. Yes. Uh, I get annoyed with the bias training because it's done in a capitalist system where, uh, you know, your boss is telling you to open your heart. That doesn't oh, work. It doesn't work. Right. No, it, it doesn't, doesn't work at all. Um, maybe it works for some people some of the time. But what we want, I believe, in my heart is real vulnerability with each other. And the thing is, is that marginalized people already feel that vulnerability. They deal with it all the time. When we are asked to experience a little bit of that vulnerability, to open up and to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes, mm-hmm. we find it very, very uncomfortable. And that's not a sign that we're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. That's a sign that we're doing it right. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It's okay to feel any way you feel about this stuff. It really is. Because the more honest you are with yourself, the more, the better of a human being you're going to be, no matter what, how you were raised or what ideas you hold in your head, the more that you understand yourself, the more you will be there to serve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I'm going to finish this last paragraph because you've, you've already said, it's like you're reading my paragraph here. <laughs> um, well, we do both have the Google doc. Open, I, oh, so. that's true. <laughs> Touche. But I don't have it up right another now. Another 10 points for you. <laughs> okay. So uh, this, this finishes. Hatan, what is the key that unlocks the prison? It is a simple key, my friends. It is the key of meditation, or as this instrument has described, the activity of inner listening. Life and love do not come to you from us, from books, from on high. No, my friends, life and love come to you from within. For within each of you is the spark of the Creator. It is a matter of becoming conscious or aware of that spark which is already there and then allowing that light within to shine through to the outside experience and thus illuminating it, thus granting supply where there was lack, healing where there was pain, friendship, brotherhood and harmony where there were enemies, disagreement and disharmony. As you breathe in and as you breathe out, my friends, you use up this mortal life that you have taken on with courage and dedication at the outset to make use of as a time of learning and inaudible under adverse circumstances, under the circumstance of forgetting what you knew as a spirit. Try to remember, my friends, what you already know that all men are brothers, that love and consciousness dwell in everything, that all is around you is alive and part of the creation, which is love. And scene. <laughs> yeah. Those, vo- those golden vocal cords, listeners, isn't it great? <laughs> Boy, that's... Uh, it's it's nice rereading these a little bit. Uh, it, well, mm-hmm. at least when we're when we're in the middle of this kind of conversation, because you know, just a few things, a few more things pop out. But um, yeah, but that that's why I love your podcast so much. I get to like 
experience all this stuff I already read in a, there are times when like, just because of the way that you articulate something, I hear a completely different reading than I read five years ago, you know? Mm, mm. You know, while we're reading, I'm going to do one small paragraph from June 26th, 1978, uh, on the same lines of love, because, you know, one thing I, I struggle with so many things, but one thing I struggle with is, okay, A, seeing the love in every situation, Okay, that's tough enough. But then let's say you do see that love. Then then what's your next step? Do you go out and mm-hmm. preach? Do you go out and high five everyone? I mean, what do you do? Um, well, in June 26th, 1978, a new source, a new entity arrives named Orkan. And I think this may be the only appearance of this particular entity, but Orkan describes um, himself or themselves as a flame. And the last paragraph for the last little bit of this, of this little uh, sermonette was fantastic. It goes, if you have the discipline to seek the flame in moment, whether it be in the day or the night, in joy or sorrow, in something great or in something very small, if you have the discipline to seek it, then you become the flame. And when you have achieved this identity, this manifestation, it is not, my friends, that you become a teacher. It is only, my friends, that you become a window through which the flame can be seen. And I, The transparency of the personality. Yes, yes. I love, yeah, and I love that because Orkin, they begin by saying, I am a flame and they they're they're using a flame metaphor for for what is love it it burns it it destroys but it also it's warm and um it's it was a great a great little blurb I I would recommend uh if you haven't checked that out then check out the transcript for June 26th 1978 but but very poetic it is poetic but it, and it makes me think if and when I I hope it's when I hope it's not if but when <laughs> I hopefully am able to figure more of this out, how how do I become that window through which the flame can be seen? Is it just my every? Is it my personality? The fact that I'm smiling and understanding, and I'm willing to listen. You know, I I wonder what that experience is like. You know, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Uh, I mean, I. You know, it's hard because I feel like a lot of these readings speak for themselves. Mm. Uh, but I do think that um, this idea that I've been running into in some of the later transcripts where, you know, Carla is channeling Quo and uh, Quo says, you may think that growth and proceeding down the spiritual path is a process of accreting to the self, pulling into yourself these new experiences that make you more and more and more. But actually, it's subtraction. It's a process of subtraction where you're letting go of things constantly. And as you let go of these things, more things come in and you let go of those. Uh, this is part of the Hatan Latwi uh, uh, piece that I'm uh, writing an essay on. Uh, but it 
applies to this idea of a flame. You know, the flame is the part of the fire that's actually burning. It's the smoke that's actually burning, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, And uh, so what is oxidation doing? It's pulling in oxygen and letting out, you know, carbon dioxide and other unburned things. But this idea of a convection current where you are pulling in the highest and purest that you can, and you're putting it out there with as little distortion as you can manage, you will always distort it. Uh, there, it, the window has to be there. It can either be foggy or mucky, or it can be clear. And we, if we want to serve, if we have the desire to serve, we will work and we will bring to us the experiences that will uh, uh, sloth away the parts that we don't need and let that flame, the light of that flame come through. I love that. I absolutely love that. And it makes me think of get ready three examples of how this, this ties into so many other areas. The first is in music. When you, when you've got Mm. a song and you're looking at your track and you're, you're doing EQ and EQ means you can see, you can have a visual representation of the, uh, uh, melodic or the, the frequencies of your song, how you make it better, you know, generally is not to boost frequencies here and there and make your, your high, you know, your high sounds a little bit higher and boost your bass. It's actually removing, it's taking frequencies out that are maybe messy or going to mud up your mix. A second thing that immediately comes to mind is, do you want to make a letter or an essay or an email stronger figure out how to make it shorter, remove that unnecessary, the unnecessary words. I know I talk a lot. I need to work on my verbal, you know, removing. Um, and then third, I, I think of, uh, Ram Das. he tells a story mm. or, or Richard Alpert before he changed his name. He tells a story of, um, him trying to learn what it is to serve and to love. And he, he tells this experience when, he learned that the more empty he became as far as I think expectations and of others and um, his internal baggage, the more loving he was able to be, the more understanding he was able to be of others. But I, th- I love the way you just put it. And that is what can you, yeah, what can you slough off? <laughs> what can you get rid of to get, just get down to that core, you know? that core flame of who you are. Everybody listening to this knows what it's like to hold on to something that you don't want to lose. Hmm. And it's that, it's that holding on that manifests fear for us. And it's a normal fear because we live in a, an illusion where scarcity seems real and nobody expects us to act in a way that doesn't reflect the reality we see before our eyes. What the confederation, what the creator, uh, what I think we all try to expect of each other, what we want to encourage in each other is a way of seeing ourselves that changes all of the rules and all that, 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 uh, obtain in that thing that everybody else is seeing. Uh, if we can put ourselves in somebody else's shoes and for a moment, Put aside the fact that we're annoyed by somebody or put aside the fact that we're angry at them or put aside the fact that we're hungry and we need to go do something else. But just be there, whoever we are, however flawed we are, be there for somebody. It might not it might turn out that it's a it's a big uh, uh, problem, problematic thing that happens to you. But you will learn because you're doing it with sincerity. And so you asked earlier, how do I achieve that transparent personality? Well, I'm not the 
<laughs> I'm certainly not a teacher if Orkin isn't right. Mm. But I think it has something to do with desire. Mm. What the meditation, I think, for, especially for somebody just starting out, is trying to do is it's trying to get clear on who you are on a basic level that you could never explain with words. Um, I mean, ultimately, you're getting down to that vibration that is you. Uh, that's something that only you can know in your in your inner self. Um, and then uh, you are trying to get everything that's not that vibration, not necessarily thrown away, but just let go of it a little. A process of slowly letting go of things that don't serve you. And uh, as you do this, you will realize that you desire things, that you have desires. You may not be able to put them into words, but they are there and they will express as you make room for them, Mm. they will express themselves more. And as you make room for the catalyst (laughs) that helps you see them, you will see them more and more. And that is how over time with the aid of meditation, you can learn what you desire, how you can serve on a moment by moment basis and start being a better helper for your fellow man start being a better reflection because what you want um is to be a better reflection of that other self to that other self we don't uh as we get to the point where we want to love and serve in a service to others manner uh we are looking to comfort people to give them hope inspiration and we can't do that we as personalities do not have sufficient love within us to do that Mm. we are limited Mm. psychological organic animals and animals don't have that ability. We are in this unique situation where we have a spirit complex and our job is to make room for that spirit to more and more help us act like spirits according to principles and less and less like animals reacting to stimuli. Hmm. Interesting. Can I tell you a quick story? (laughs) I'll, I'll try it. to keep it quick about desire, desiring catalyst, <laughs> because it, you know, in multiple transcripts, Hatan states, yeah, all that, all that stuff that you're dealing with, you desire it. And I'll, and I'll read, I actually have a transcript up here, um, which I, w- I would like to read and, and hash out with you a little bit about the tribulations that we go through. But I had a great experience before we left for Hawaii. Um, I, I bought a new synthesizer. Well, not new. It was used. I, I bought a, uh, it's called a Hydrosynth. And I'm um, very excited about this particular piece of hardware. I'm so jealous. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> not going to lie. So I found it on Craigslist and um, it was, I had to drive about an hour to get up to it. But, you know, first off, um, as I, I'm responding to the person on Craigslist, you know, Hey, I'm interested, you know, we're, we're working it all out where to meet, etc. And deep down somewhere, I've got a flag that keeps flipping up. Ryan, something's up. Don't do this. I can, and I'm thinking, I'm like, I, I'm recognizing that in my head because I've learned to trust my gut but not so much to cut it off, but I was questioning. I'm like, why am I feeling this way? I was trying to articulate. I was trying to intellectualize why I was feeling that way. Long story short, I get up there. I talk with the guy. I buy the synth. Super. He was a super nice guy. I bring it home and I'm playing with it. It's, 
it's everything I want it to be. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm playing, playing some scales and I get up to the top and I'm like, oh, this little note doesn't work. Okay. Well, I switch the patch. I'm like, maybe for this particular patch, this, these keys aren't set. Nope. Keys don't work here. I'm like, son of a gun. So <laughs> I go through five or six different patches and I learn that eight of the 49 keys, that is roughly, I think 16%, dear friends, 16% of my keys do not work. And I just paid a thousand dollars cash for this amazing synth that I wanted. And I laughed. I did. I actually laughed because in my mind was the choice. What we kind of spoke about last, uh, last episode, the choice. Okay. I can be really upset. How am I going to respond to this? Am I going to I got this guy's phone number, <laughs> you know, am I going to go crazy and call him up and, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. I laughed because I immediately saw my, what you, I guess you could say was my desire for perhaps a test because my gut, my subconscious, my higher self, whatever it was, was telling me, dude, don't buy this. Something's, something's fishy about this. And yet I'm like, no, nope, I'm going to do it. You know, this is going to be worth it. And then I get through it and I learned, oh yeah, yeah, something was totally fishy, you know, but I mean, I've already contacted the, 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 uh, the maker, you know, the keyboard and I'm, you know, I'm getting their repair rates. I'll just send it in to go, to go get it repaired. I can afford it. I don't want to pay, but I, I can afford it, you know, where in my mind I'm making up the story where, well, perhaps this guy. Maybe he was a broke musician that picked up a bad keyboard and he didn't want to go through the hassle of returning it. So he thought he'd just tell a white lie and say it's been perfect working order, you know? So, but it was, I would say I am a little, uh, forgive me for lack of modesty. I'm a little proud of myself because I, it, it didn't even phase me. You know, I'm like, I, I try to see it from his point of view and I'm like, I'm like, either this guy is a. Uh, he's in a tough spot or you just create a little bit of karma. He's going to have to work out later. And then for me, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's not everything I wanted it to be, but it's enough for now and I can get it fixed and it's not a huge deal. And a reminder to trust my gut, <laughs> trust my, yeah. you know, trust it. That's, that's the big uh, lesson I see is you might, even if you trusted your gut still bought it. Hmm. Certainly. You say, I'm, I'm willing to take the risk. I hear what you're saying in her voice and uh, I'm taking under advisement. You know, the, the, the point is to give us a choice. The point is not to do the right thing. Hmm. That's what's so confounding hmm. is that from the time that we are able to, you know, be a self, we are told what to do and what not to do. And we learn it's very rigid sort of ethical, moral approach to things where we're a good boy if we do X and we're a bad boy if we do Y. And we take that with us into our adult lives and then wonder why everything's so messy. You know, uh, yeah. it's not from the Confederation's point of view. It's not about that. It is about experiences that help you grow. If it would have helped you grow for, uh, you know, things to turn out even worse than they did, then that might've been what have happened. What would have happened? And this is, it's funny because it it sometimes seems like this way of looking at human experience has a lot of cruelty to it. Mm -hmm. Are we just fodder? Are we just, are we just like, are our personalities or the people that we interact with each day really just these uh, video game avatars of spirits Mm -hmm. and these people that we interact with don't matter, but 
maybe sometimes it feels like that, but it's only because we don't see the whole picture. And that's why it's important to stop intellectualizing it. If we had enough data, maybe, maybe we could come up with a good model of how to think our way through this life, but we don't even see a slim portion of it. We see so little and that's right. It is right for us to see so little. We are not supposed to navigate our way through life savvily. That's the service to self path, right? Mm. Where you, you, uh, you focus solely on your own advancement and you uh, dis- and you see people as means to that end. Uh, but for the service to others, uh, you are trying to put yourself in situations where you can serve, where you can shine that light through more clearly. And, you know, I, I, I am very sympathetic because I've bought duds before um, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to synth yeah. and music equipment. But at the same time, pretty low stakes to learn this lesson. Totally. You're right. (laughs) Compared to the things that we value even more than that, you know, you're right. It's, it's wild to think about, um, you know, I hesitate because we're getting a little, I'm getting into my, uh, the, uh, this stuff I get excited about, even though it doesn't mean a whole lot, but it's fun for me to think about. Uh, You can just, you know, (laughs) send the check for my hourly rate, continue the cycle analysis. (laughs) Um, but the fact that, you know, when they, when fourth density is described, you know, that there's this telepathic link, the, the veil, uh, is, is thinned, if not removed, you know, our connection to each other, our connection to the creator is, you know, and when you have that telepathic link with others, and when you begin to cr- begin to create that social memory complex where one society joins in mind and heart and spirit, uh, to move in one singular direction, when you have that link with others, there's no such thing as misunderstanding because you you can you can feel what that other person is feeling. You can hear what that other piece, person is thinking. And you I would imagine, and I'm completely spitballing here, but I'm imagining that you could you really understand what that other person is going through. So in that sense, you you do kind of have all of the information, you know. There's, a, I would imagine, it's it's a different uh, set of complexities and challenges, but um, about how you work through that. But it's just interesting to think that in order to get there to that point, you have to go through what we are going through, and mm-hmm. you have to make the choice. It has to be a choice before you know before you can enjoy that post-race beer after you ran, you know, after you ran a marathon, you've got to run the race first. You know, it's, there's no, there's no free ride, you know? Um, but it just, it just reminds me that what is the purpose of our, of our incarnations of this, of this density of this experience? It must be to learn lessons so that when we eventually get to the next level, we know how to handle what comes at the next level. And then, you know, we just keep on you know, we keep on moving forward. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a little bit of a mystery what exactly is at work here. And I think it should Mm. be a mystery. Sure. Um, but, uh, and it's also really fun to speculate about what fourth density consciousness is like when you're part of a group mind. Mm. Um, but the, the, the thing is, is I kind of feel like at this late stage of third density, or early, early, early stage of fourth density, we're kind of seeing what it looks like already. I mean, look at all the problems with privacy online. I mean, these are all ways that we cut ourselves off uh, from each other and hide ourselves 
that this network is exposing more and more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not good or bad, right? It's it like, is. it's just the way that it's like uh, evolving. Um, and like, there's a, there's a Hatan quote that uh, I think is really interesting to, if you want to speculate about what fourth density is like, um, I don't remember what, uh, what date it's on. Um, sorry, but it's it okay. says, we do not promise heaven in the sense that meditation offers an easy street for we in our brotherhood worked upon the spiritual path for yet many more eons than you yet within our ranks, because there always lies more than one path from one point to another, we have dissension and disagreement. We have discussion and argument. We are not without imperfections. We often do not see the total picture just like us. They don't see the whole picture. It is simply that at least we are being honest in a way that we have gained by virtue of continued seeking. We are a little more in touch with who we are than your peoples. We have begun to see that we are all truly one in the creator. Meditate, my friends. It is simply that at least we are being honest in a way that we have gained by virtue of continued seeking. See, hmm. we can have the transparency and all that, but like once it has exposed um, all of who we really are, if we don't have the desire to polarize, to serve in this very unique way, either well, not unique, but very uh, intense way, either in the service to others or service self-direction, then there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere for social memory to actually take root. Social memory has to be the entire, in my opinion, I'm kind of speculating here, but it seems like it has something to do with getting the entire group pointed in one direction. Mm-hmm. And then everybody is just them, their full selves. They don't always have to be completely united. It's not as if um, strife is a sign that there is something necessarily wrong. It's simply the fact that it is a search for harmony. Hmm. And you can't really find that harmony unless you're willing to drop all of your pretenses, all of your masks, and be like, you know, whether I am, whether I'm a sexist or a racist or an asshole or I'm, uh, I, I, whatever I do, I'm me and I'm willing to expose myself and my heart. Hmm. And that's what vulnerability is about. And that's how you're really there for other people. It's not by being a bad, perfect person. It's not by saying the perfect things or doing the perfect things. It's about being willing to open yourself up and to let whatever is purest in you come through. And the the challenge really is to do the work on ourselves so that when those opportunities present themselves, we've already prepared and we can bring a better self in the moment. It happens rarely for us to have transformation Mm -hmm. in the moment. We usually are like reflecting on mistakes that we made, or even if we did something right, we don't know how we did it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, Learning, doing, meditating, sitting with yourself and learning how you think, learning what the nature of thought is and what the nature of the self is and what the nature of this life is to you and how you are going to make use of it and who that person that's making use of it really is. Is it really Jeremy who has a job doing software and like has money in the account and a wife and two beagles? I mean, yeah, but there's more to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that and not giving up on ourselves while we look for it is really, in my opinion, what's so tough. We can forgive ourselves a couple of times. We're, we, we can have, we can have a lot of forgiveness for ourselves, but over time, 
of constantly running into brick walls metaphorically in our lives, of, of, of having exactly what we don't understand about ourselves and about others exposed uh, in some kind of vicious ways sometimes. Uh, not giving up on yourself is the key. I, and, and Pima Chodron talks about this. She says that discipline does not mean making yourself go through some rigorous thing. That's not what it's about. What it's about is never giving up on yourself. And if you never give up on yourself, you will never give up on other people. And that's the way that we make a connection. It is not mm. necessarily always through our strengths and our light and love as we understand it. Sometimes it's through our weaknesses and our and the places that we are the most distorted because other people have those distortions too. Everything is love. So everything has a thread we can touch into. The more we can find it in ourselves, the more we can find it out there. It is not an issue of thinking or feeling the right thing to find it out there. It's an issue of doing the work on yourself so that you have prepared yourself to serve. Hmm. Does that make sense? It does. That's kind of how I think of it. It does. There's a lot in there. Um, there's a lot in there. It makes me think, or what, it, I, if I had to rehash what you just said, <laughs> I would yeah. boil it down to becoming understanding who you are and being okay with that. And be, I I thought, are you familiar with the, uh, the writer behind, she's more than a writer, but Brene Brown. Oh, I know the name, but I'm afraid I'm not very familiar with her work. It's all right. She's got a couple viral Ted talks. She specializes in the research of shame and vulnerability. Mm. And, um, I've listened to a couple of her audiobooks, and they're pretty solid. They're pretty solid because shame, insecurity, vulnerability, every, having that wall in between you and others, that is a commonality between everyone, almost everyone at our stage in the game. Um, people have various thicknesses of walls, you know, but most people, I would say most people have something about them that they aren't okay with, that they don't like, that they're insecure about, that... You know, can you have 100% open and clear communication with someone else when you've got that little bit inside of you that you don't want to face or that you don't want to deal with or that you haven't even explored because there's fear involved and, you know, there's mm -hmm. discomfort involved. Um, that's, that's what comes to mind. There's, you know, you've got all these, all these people around that we've got this large goal we're headed towards, which is... My, let's just call it social memory complex, <laughs> you know, far down the road. Well, how do you get there? Okay. Well, you can take the end goal and take one step back and describe that and, you know, move backwards on a stepwise basis. And I would think that at least where we are right now, maybe it's the inner work. Maybe it's, you know, maybe at least that I would say that's part of it. You know, can you become comfortable with who you are and, and, be okay with other people's opinions of who you are because they've got the same issues that you do, you know? Yeah. I think, uh, social media shows this in spades, right? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I did a, I did a talk once at a LL research homecoming on social media as catalysts, focusing on the fact that unlike real, like, you know, not I say real catalysts, uh, <laughs> unlike catalysts in waking life and interpersonal, you know, in-person interactions, 
you can you can take your time reacting, right? Like, why do we all shoot off the response at our worst possible moment when we have all the time in the world to respond? It's an email. It's a it's a tweet. It's a Facebook post. Nobody is sitting there demanding that we give that energy right away. I often uh, uh, think of social media as like practice for Mm. real in-person stuff because it just seems like it is a machine designed to sniff out our buttons Mm -hmm. and push them. Mm -hmm. And everybody has them. It doesn't make you a bad person because you have buttons that can be pushed. But it does mean that you know, you have some things to work on. Uh, you work on them because deep down you have a desire to grow. And the point is that meditation will put you more in touch with that desire because you don't want that work to be, it, you don't want that work to be mere affecting a spiritual life, right? You want to live, you want to be immersed in it uh, because that's not because that's right. It's because that's how <laughs> it will actually be satisfying, You can do whatever you want. The Confederation over and over says we have perfect and total free will. We have way more free will than we even realize. Um, The question is, is are we in touch with that will or not? Or are we fighting against it because we have what they sort of like, you know, lump into a big category called confusion? Mm -hmm. And confusion is a great concept because it forces us to shoot in the dark Mm-hmm. And learn how to hit the hit, hit the goal, hit the target, even when we can't really see well enough. We have to learn how to. F- I think that's what polarization is about. It's about wielding some kind of light energy that is only possible if you've either exposed and and expressed the heart chakra totally, or as close to totally as possible, or um, if you can close it so completely in such an act of iron will. Uh, that you can force your way past it. Mm-hmm. I want to get into this session from October 24th, 1976. And it's from Hatan. Carla is channeling. And I really liked this because the theme around this period of time, it seemed to be what is the purpose of our lives, of our incarnation. And... Hatan states, he says, this evening, we would speak to you upon the subject of what you would call tribulations. As you are aware, those upon planet Earth are undergoing, shall we say, an experience of growth and one of learning. Your life in its entirety is an accumulation of lessons, lessons which you have designed to experience. Lessons through which you can learn the truths and the application of those truths that will enable you to bring about the existence that you truly desire. And that existence, my friends, may be expressed in many words, but shall we say any orthodox expression would be the existence within heaven. And I'll pause there because it seems like that kind of that kind of recaps what we were just yeah, talking about. It does. Um, if we have this end goal, but in order to get there, <laughs> we've got to go through all of what we're currently going through. Because of the awareness that we're at, right? Mm-hmm. This continues. My friends, when confronted with situations which are incomprehensible through the process of your intellect, accept it and face it. 
knowing that it has been desired by you as an experience for the opportunity of growth. Righteously confront that situation. Enter into the experience with an attitude of love, of love which contains no resentment or fear. Accept that which you have created, for indeed you have brought it into existence. Know that no matter how it appears, it is for the best. Know that within you is the ability to properly react to any situation. Your abilities are infinite. Your love is also infinite. There are no limitations placed upon you by your Creator. They are placed upon you by yourself, in your acceptance of them. There are no situations which you, as your own personal Creator, would place before yourself that you could not properly confront and overcome. That is what you call a hard pill to swallow for someone who might be going through some really tough experience. You know, the idea that, no, you, believe it or not, you wanted this because there's a lesson in here that you wanted to learn. It It's empowering. I, I think I've said this before. I think it's a very empowering uh, framework, but but that, that can be tough. Oh, yeah. I, I struggle with it a lot. Um because we can intellectualize an instrumental life all we want, but at the end of the day, living it is painful. How do we look at people's pain and say, eh, that's what you wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, we already talked about this. That's a, that's a callous yeah. thing to do. It's not callous because it's untrue, right? Like I think the Buddhists have a, have a, have a rule about speech, right? And you ask yourself before you say anything, is it true? Is it kind? And is it necessary? I don't know if that's the right mm-hmm. order. And I might have gotten there a little bit wrong, but it more or less gets the point, right? Like there are a lot of things that can be said that are factually true or that show a great deal of insight. Service is not simply... <laughs> shoveling those things that we see out to the other person, right? That's not service. That's not taking the care that we would like to be treated with Mm -hmm. and treating others that way. Uh, No service is accepting whatever it is that this person is, that the the reaction this person is engendering in us, accepting it as self, as not something happening to us as us literally. Mm -hmm. Um, And like this, what I'm just describing is an intellectual way of packaging what is ultimately not an intellectual idea, because Mm -hmm. we can talk about this all day, right? The podcast listeners can listen to it and, Oh, we all understand, but that's not fully it living it, learning the, the learning it's complete shape instead of just uh, looking at one point of it Um, and going out there and being exposed, vulnerable, to whatever is out there, whoever is out there and letting people know that they can trust somebody. And that, you know, these are ways that we can use these experiences. Right. And they don't see that's, I think the empowering thing about it from my point of view is that these things aren't for naught. We look at so much human suffering and we say, what a waste. Mm. None of it is wasted. Not one bit of it is wasted. Every single thing accrues and every single thing will be let go eventually. And that person's path towards the creator. 
all that is asked of us is, are we paying attention to it? And can we see love in it? We can't see love in it until we find love within ourselves. But that Mm. thread is what connects us to a very, it connects a holistic, beautiful view of of the experience of consciousness and sentience. It connects that with what I can only describe as a very degraded, uh, shabby uh, experience that we often have in, in our society, in our lives, based on, you know, what 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 is uh, rubbing up against us. You know, remember, the same thing that might be catalyst for you might not be catalyst for me and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's not in the ex- things itself. The catalyst is not the thing happening to you. The catalyst is your reaction to it. And it's exposing an unbuffed part of that window. Yeah. You just need to like work on it a little bit. Get it nice and clear. Give it some elbow grease. Yeah. Yeah. Wax on, wax off kind of stuff. (laughs) Hmm. I was thinking that these, these experiences, though they may be desired and perhaps pre-planned, doesn't make them less real. We, we must have designed these because of the reality we feel when we're in the thick of it. And if and when we get through it, the lesson we learn because we went through it. And I thought, you know, when I go to the hospital with a broken arm, I don't want the doctor to say, well, you planned it. <laughs> you know, I want him to fix me and give me some painkillers, you know. It's none of the doctor's business whether you planned it or not. The path of yeah. service is to give to the person who has need. You know, yes. remember like uh, they were talking about this in the law of in the in the raw contact. And uh, Don asked something about, well, you know, these people who are starving in Africa. I mean, this is the 80s. Right. So it was this whole like yeah. Ethiopian famine and all that. Uh, and he's like, uh, you know, uh, so we're not supposed to, you know, give them food. They 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 ask for this. And, and Ross like, uh, you know, the proper aid to a starving entity is to feed them, <laughs> you know, like uh, it, 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 we we are trying to see the rules of this game from above, but we see the rules most clearly when we open our hearts, not when we open Mm. our heads up and try to figure everything out. That impulse to intellectualize things, I believe is a control defense mechanism, right? Mm. It's trying to exercise control. And I think this is why the service to self path, uh, uh, emphasizes, uh, the intellect over the, they emphasize the fifth chakra, the, the, the head chakra over, uh, the fourth chakra, the heart chakra. Uh, and they, and it's funny. Um, uh, Fifth, Ross says do you mean, they, you mean throat? Oh yeah. I think I messed that up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, sk- I totally skipped over a chakra and it's funny cause I run through these every day. I should know them by heart, <laughs> but I know them by feeling I do know them by heart. I just don't know them intellectually. So I'm giving myself a lesson in humility. <laughs> Enjoy it. Perfect. Uh, um, and now I've completely lost my train of thought, ah, but sorry we need that. to, we need to feel these things, mm-hmm. thinking them like I've thought that the mind complex, you know, Ra talks about, we have the, we are a, we are a, uh, mind, body, spirit complex. Uh, we're not just a mind, body, and spirit thrown together. We are a complex, uh, interrelated structure of these things. And I've often thought that the big function of the mind is its ability to limit and foc- by focusing on things, you exclude things. Mm-hmm. That ability to create a kind of like 
container for ideas, a container for mo- like modes or uh, uh, qualities of consciousness, I think is very much involved in things like ideology, uh, thought systems of any kind, culture. Um, mm-hmm. And when we approach them in too mental a way, all we see are the limitations because the mind is a, uh, is a measuring tool and measurements have to have discrete units. They have to have discrete quantities. Uh, we are trying to get that out of the way so that spirit can flow through and spirit can use the mind when it's needed for the right container. It's just kind of like a really abstract, uh, uh, maybe idiosyncratic way that I look at the relationship between the mind and the spirit. But the heart is where I think that happens. Mm -hmm. And remember blockages in the flow of the creator's love and light from our root chakra up to our seventh chakra, uh, are stopped in my opinion, uh, and based on what I understand of the raw material by our thoughts, our thoughts are the things that create blockages. Hmm. I mean, I think it's Hmm. possible for us to have bodily and spirit blockages, but the things that we're usually working on that we can get a grip on tend to be thought patterns. That's an interesting things that close off or express different. And you know, like they can just as easily overstimulate a chakra, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As understimulate it. Hmm. I've kind of went on a no. That's tangent there. I think that's a great insight. That's a great insight. Um, let's let's continue with with Hatan here. We're about halfway, a little less than halfway into this, but let's get a few paragraphs in. This session continues. My friends, you may have asked yourself before this many times: if I indeed, or if indeed I chose these tribulations, whatever was on my mind when I did that. <laughs> What was my higher self thinking about? We cannot penetrate the nature of the Creator, nor would we pretend to. And if there is a reason that the white light and perfect love of the Creator was generated into what you have called the Word, so that entities may appear to people, so that entities may appear to people the cosmos, we do not know it. Nevertheless, that this is so, we do know. It is possible that the, in infinite humility, here's that quote that I love. In, it is possible that in infinite humility, the creator offered to all of his infinite parts total freedom to remake that creation. This is indeed the option that was before you as you contemplated your entry into the physical illusion before your physical birth. Love that one. Yeah, that's that's a banger right there. <laughs> a banger. That's a great that's a great way to put it. Good job, Hatan. Ten yeah. points for Hatan. <laughs> oh, I love Hatan so much. Uh, they continue. Before you came into the physical illusion, you were in an atmosphere where thoughts were obvious things, as real to you as the physical objects of your illusion are now, and the choices that you now find so difficult were not even choices. And you asked yourself, if I were put to the test, would you still know what love was? Would you still know how to serve your brother? Would you still seek the light, or I'm sorry, would you still seek the creator with all your heart? And so you came into this illusion. Perhaps, One might think of what is in the mind of this channel, that in your armed forces, parents hope that their child will become a man. 
Service under these conditions is more difficult, yet, under difficult conditions, one developed more rapidly. And so it is with you, my friends. This was your motive. Whatever else you needed to do while you were here, your basic motive was to penetrate the things of this illusion with your discrimination so that you could see the love and the light, as you would call it, the heaven that penetrates all that there is. In order for you to see those things that are lasting, it is necessary for things not always or not to always go on the physical plane perfectly well. For if your day-to-day existence was not at all troubled, you would perhaps be satisfied to live out your physical existence without seeking further knowledge. It is when things become difficult that you seek to know the reason. And that's a, that's a good way to end it. When things become difficult, we want to know why. Why? And maybe that's, maybe that's why humans just naturally, naturally seek, naturally assume a higher power. Oh, there must be a reason. There's, there's so much stuff going on in the world that is, is, you could say objectively terrible, you know, you want to know why, why it's all going on. Yep. Um, and we find that answer within. And then when we find at least a uh, part of it within, that begins a process of the outer world testing that, right? It's, mm. not, it's not really that it begins a, some sort of like processes outside of ourselves, right? Our very change of perspective can be said to do that, regardless oh, yeah. of whatever else. I don't know everything about what goes on metaphysically. I'm not trying to say that. I, You know, what I... What I try to provide in this podcast are ways of thinking about this so you don't <laughs> so so that you can make sense of it. Mm. But like at the end of the day, you've got to find your own um, you know, way to think about it that gives you something to hold on to uh in this game that we're playing, in this whole experience that we're in. And what I'm trying to provide are like uh ideas that I found helpful, but they may not be helpful to you. Uh Always, always, always go back to the Confederation, I say, because the more that I read it, the more I find little hints of things that seem like they try to leave mysterious. They actually don't leave a lot of uh, stones unturned. Uh, It's just that we are very thick (laughs) and we it takes a lot to get through to us. We're trying to figure it out. And it's our entire culture tells us figure our lives out right from the moment mm-hmm. that we, you know we start thinking about what it will be like to be a grown up we're trying to think how do we get there and how we put one foot in front of the other to get there uh remember there's something else going on too the more that you can get in touch with yourself the more you participate in that and the more satisfying good or bad the more satisfying it will be and the more that you can use that to learn it is the most satisfying thing in the world to know yourself because then you can you can accept yourself. You can truly accept yourself. And then the next step, dear listener, well, that that's what it's all about, right? Yes, there therein lies the the Mount Everest of uh, <laughs> you know of work. Yeah, we have all the tools though. Yeah, it's and we tough. always get another chance. That's the thing. You think you've made mistakes in your life. You think there are things that are irretrievable. 
you always, always will get another chance to try again. That's the beauty of time is that it goes on infinitely, right? But that means we always have infinite chances. Mm-hmm. If it's not in the way that you think it should manifest in some other way that you don't. And it's not so much that reality is working on you. It's that your perception is creating these possibilities. Your perception, there's so much about yourself that is to be discovered. There are reasons behind things, but they, they don't fit into our workaday lives. We have to be okay with, uh, you know, I think in a lot of later quotes, uh, they talk about living dual lives, living a life that's of the spirit and also living like a a daily mundane life. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Um, You know, sometimes we have the ability to shift our awareness. The idea is to take more charge of that, Um, not out of control, but out of a desire to see really what's in front of our eyes. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great place to call it. If you don't call it, I'm just going to keep going on. Yeah, like this. that's a great, great place to call it. Um, yeah, I could comment, but why? That was a great, <laughs> was a great end. Um, I, I hate to plug my own podcast, but for those who maybe aren't checked into the Living Love and Light podcast, where I just go through and read uh, transcripts, daily transcripts, um, Hatan is on hiatus. And Latwi is coming in. And for the record, Latwi is hilarious. So, and the information is different, different style, different personality. Um, definitely check it out. You know, even if you're, even if you're just on the website, reading, reading the transcripts, um, check out a few of those. It's, it's fun to see the group evolve. Latwi has stated that Hatan asked Latwi to come check in while Hatan was out because they feel the group is ready for, uh, for level five and in what's going to, we're recording this on Sunday. What is going to be out on May 3rd is one of the first, I believe descriptions of fifth and sixth density from the perspective of Latwi, who is a fifth density uh, entity. So very cool to see yet again, another progression in uh, LL Research's channeling archive. Absolutely. And Latwi, uh, in case you don't know, listener, uh, is part of the Quo principle. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be around for a while. Perfect. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Um, boy. Also, I, I just realized that I did not record October 15th, 1976. I was poking around looking for reference material and I'm like, this looks new. <laughs> so if, if you happen to be one of the, one of my very few listeners, but if you happen to notice that I miss one, shoot, shoot me a message. I'm at contact living, love and light at Gmail. I think you can, you can uh, see that in the um, about section on, on YouTube, on the YouTube channel. You should be able to see that email address, but let me know if I happen to miss something. Alas, I'm human. <laughs> you know, I read the uh, published version of the transcript library, and there are discrepancies between what's online and what's in there. Oh, really? So, I mean, look, uh, it, it took a re-listening project of the original Raw Contact tapes to find mm. over 50 questions and answers from the original Raw sessions that were never part of the book. So. Wow. Well, I've, got some new books to buy. I've got some new <laughs> books to buy because I've only got the originals. <laughs> yeah. So, well, everyone, thank you for checking in. Thank you for your kind uh, and encouraging messages that you're sending us. Uh, we really appreciate that. Um, please keep them coming. 
we're always available for questions and comments. Um, but thank you for joining us today. Jeremy, anything anything left before I, I press stop on this thing? <laughs> I echo what he said. Thank you so much for listening. And make sure you give us feedback if you have any feedback to give. Yes, please. Until next time, everyone. Stay in the love and light. <laughs>